KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Cardinals get back on the winning side of things, a 3-1 victory against Cincinnati. Cardinals brought their legs with four steals. Paul DeYoung brought the bat. DeYoung hits it out to deep left. It's at the wall. the Cardinals. The call on Fox Sports Midwest as the Cardinals win it 3-1. After the Cubs lost yesterday, the Cardinals now sit two and a half games back of the Cubs and Brewers in the National League Central. Speaking of the Brewers, they finally found a way to beat those pesky Marlins. Play the first two games. Here's Yelich. First ball swinging. And there it goes. Christian Yelich. A two-run home run. Yelich's 23rd home run of the year, Fox Sports Milwaukee with the call in the 5-1 Brew Crew victory. The Indians were looking for the sweep of the Twins. Max Kepler had different ideas. That's driven to right field. Naquin going back. This to the wall. That ball is gone. Kepler on the second pitch of the game breaks an 0-for-21 streak. Driven to right down the line and deep again. And gone, a two-run home run for Max Kepler, and it is three to nothing. Here's a drive to center field. Martin going back. Max Kepler has three tonight. Dick Bremer with the calls on Fox Sports North. Kepler's three home runs give him 15 on the season. The girls' state soccer tournament continues from County Soccer Park in Des Moines. Class 1A semifinals, Davenport Assumption against Gilbert, and North Polk faces off against Center Point Urbana. Class 2A, it's ADM against Cedar Rapids Xavier, and Dallas Center Grimes faces Waverly. And in the 3A semis, it's Waukee Ankeny Centennial, while Dowling Catholic goes up against Ankeny. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, final hour of the week. Lads, you are with us. We've got barbecue to give away before we get out of here. We're going to look inside analytics of MLB and Major League Baseball uh, in general with Mark Simon. That's coming up here in about, oh, 20 minutes or thereabouts. Claxon's at 1145 right now. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He joins the program. Bill Trenton, Ken, how was your week, Bill Bender? <laughs> Busy, uh, you know, continuing with our college football content off-season plan. Um, next week will be fun, uh, watching the NBA Finals, watching the Stanley Cup. And then, as you guys know, once those two are over, we've got a little bit of a void until college football starts. Indeed, but media days will obviously uh, be front and center. Now, where are you going to go? SEC, Big Ten, what are you going to cover media, media day-wise for the sporting news, Bill? Have you got your marching orders yet? It looks like I'm going to go to ACC because I'm chasing a few stories there and then may try to swing back up and do the second day of Big Ten. Um, we're, we're going to work that out next week. I mean, with the ACC, I think there's some interesting stories. One, with how Clemson kind of wears the, the national championship as Trevor Lawrence going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mac Brown. I think Mac Brown's a really interesting story, at least to me, just that he's back. He's yep. at North Carolina. The ACC doesn't have a second power. Um, 
you know, and then of course Big Ten. That's like being around for the Game of Thrones fans. That's like being around the Starks, and I consider myself one of the Starks. It's <laughs> always fun to be around you guys. Now I love being there, and Trent and I will both be there, and we'll be on Radio Row, and look forward to having you stop by at your convenience, uh, hopefully. Uh, well, let's get into college football. I want to get to spend a significant amount of time on the on the Big Twelve, but since you brought up ACC, just one real uh, real quick question on that. You know, pursuant to Mac Brown in North Carolina, who underwent a medical procedure, this is a team last year the one two football games, Bill. Uh, North Carolina should be better in football, and they have been better than football. How big of a rebuild is this going to be for one of college football's bigger-name coaches as he goes back? I like the hires he's made. I think Jay Bateman is a good hire, Army defensive coordinator. Um, Phil Longo from Ole Miss. I mean, they've got – you're going to have an experienced coaching staff around them trying to build this thing. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, this year, though, in particular – might be a little rough. Their schedule's brutal. They play App State, play South Carolina. Um, they play Clemson on the road. Mm. Um, so I think this will be a learning curve. If he can somehow get them to a bowl game this year, that'd be interesting. But when you talk about that rivalry, I know Duke and North Carolina get all the headlines with Williams and Kay. But, I mean, can you think of two classier coaches than Mac Brown and David Cutcliffe going at it? <laughs> That's, a great North point. Carolina? That's pretty good. That's a great point. That's real good. Yeah, yeah. if Ferentz was in the ACC, he would be in that conversation, right? <laughs> the old-timers. Yeah, the absolutely. Old-timers. And banging heads over there. Well, we uh, want to talk a lot of Big 12 football with you today, Bill, so want to get into it here. We've been trying to identify those teams behind Oklahoma, Texas, and we keep coming back to Iowa State. But I was taking a look the other night at the three other Texas schools, not named the Longhorns, Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech. Of that group of three, is there one that you like more, one that you're more confident in, that you feel can make a push-up towards the top? You know, when you get into these lists and you start talking about sleeper teams and those kind of things, Baylor's getting a lot of love in mm-hmm. that. And I think, you know, Matt did a great job last year. I mean, they've obviously been through a lot. Um, he's got them moving in the right direction. Do I think they're ready for the big time yet? Not quite. Um, TCU, you never know. They've, they've slid down a little bit. I think part of that is, they haven't had the right quarterback for the last at least year. I mean, since Boykin left, um, and they need to find the right quarterback to run that offense. And I think once that happens, Gary Patterson, he's always good for eight, eight wins or so. So, I, I, but I would still say Baylor, at least out of the Texas schools. But if you're looking for the true challenger to who maybe can disrupt Oklahoma, Texas right now, I think the two answers are Iowa State. And maybe in a year, West Virginia. I think they made a fantastic hire with Neil Brown. I, I'm with you. So let's let's continue down that path. Then, so there's 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 it's crazy, right? Ten teams, and yet four of them will now have uh, new head coaches. Wells moves over from Utah State. You mentioned uh, West Virginia already. Um, the two Kansas schools climbing from North Dakota State, and of course, Les Miles uh, is is back in the game. Uh, by far and away, you like the situation at West Virginia the best, is what I'm assuming, with Neil Brown, who was, look, he was terrific. Um, how would you rank them, Bill, the four? I would say that one, I like that best. I just think the way he coached Detroit, jobs are about fit. and he, I mean, the, the best fit for West Virginia would be a guy like, you know, it used to be Rich Rod, and it, you know, Nick mm-hmm. Davis, a West Virginia guy. They're very into that. But I think Neil Brown's the closest thing you can get to that. Clemens should do a nice job at Kansas State. I know his hire was met with a little bit of a resistance, but I think he'll do great. Miles, I love him. I, I love that he's back in the game. Me too. But you guys know how hard that job is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wells will be the X Factor because they need 
think they're going to score points, and I love this system at Utah State, but it's the same old story with Texas Tech. Are they going to get some stops when they need it? Their defense has never been good. No, it hasn't. And, and here's the thing with Matt Wells, right? He was very fortunate when he was at Utah State. He had a quarterback in Jordan Love who can cover up a lot of warts. He's a terrific player. And you got a quarterback, you got a chance. I mean, I know Wells is more than that, but at the same time, his quarterback kind of elevated him into that status that, uh, you know, that eventually found his way to Lubbock. You know, I, I think I told you guys the story. I apologize if I'm repeating it. I was talking to one of my coach friends that's in the business and i he was i was like who's like a coach that i don't that we don't talk about that's going to be somebody someday and he said matt wells and he coaches out west so i was just kind of struck by that i was like so is matt he said he might be a superstar and that's what they're hoping mm. um you know when you, you coach at utah state that's a tough job yep. but he did a nice job there they won a lot of games scored a lot of points and you know and when you're in that conference you're in boise and I guess Fresno State shadow. He did a pretty nice job. That he did, and certainly put together a nice resume, and now a bump up in the pay grade, moving into the Big Twelve. At the top, for most everybody, it is Oklahoma and Texas. More and more people, big belief in this Texas team that this is going to be the breakthrough season. We saw the win against Georgia in the bowl game last year, and now taking that final step. How big is that step in your mind? How big is the gap from? Being really good, being talented, to being a team that can get to the college football playoff. Well, you know, as, as you know, we projected them in the playoff, and everybody agreed. As, as like I <laughs> right. told you yep, before always. we came on today, <laughs> right. yeah. everybody everybody agrees with me on the internet all the time. <laughs> um, now, uh, Texas, that's you just said it, Trent. I mean, they, they, they now we're going to see if they can play with the expectations, which in the past that hasn't worked out. Um, I think Tom Herman's done a nice job through recruiting. I love the quarterback, and when you can start so with a quarterback I. that you, yeah, you, you got the quarterback that you can kind of build around. Strong running game, excellent receivers. I love Colin Johnson. I don't know why he doesn't get more love nationally. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good in the NFL. And there, people are telling me, well, they lost eight guys on defense. Mm-hmm. Well, that defense was bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that's one of those things where I think the guys that are coming in may actually be better than the guys that are out. So. I do think they're going to be better at every level, and if they can kind of topple this Oklahoma machine, yeah, they'll probably be in the playoffs. Colin Johnson's a big target, and I look for him to have a very good year. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I'll go back to TCU for a second, Bill, and, and I guess that is the lingering question is who's going to be the quarterback, but isn't it Justin Rogers who, admittedly, he's coming off a knee injury. It's been a long time since he played, but, boy, he arrived with – uh, some acclaim, a lot of hype, uh, expectations around him. Don't you anticipate he's going to win it, or is that injury maybe you know, worse than we thought? I didn't know. I, I haven't been following this close enough. I didn't if Matthew Baldwin was going to try to get a transfer waiver. Maybe he would have a chance to start, but I think Rodgers will. And I will say this. I watched the cheese at Bowl last year, which became a punchline not only because of the name, <laughs> um, but TCU and Cal's quarterback play in that game was just, horrendous. Mm-hmm. TCU still found a way to win the game, and that was why I was saying they need their quarterback. And and if they have that, yeah, they'll be able to compete with Oklahoma and, and Texas, and, and I think uh, you know Oklahoma State, we haven't really talked about them either. But, um, you know, and as for Cheez-Its, I mean, those are like Cheez-Its are awesome. I don't know why people <laughs> have a problem with that. Uh, hard disagree there, but we'll, we'll oh, leave no. that for Cheez-Its. Uh, yeah, when, when the little one has those, 
I pass. G- give me a Rice Krispie <laughs> treat over that for a snack any day. Spoke, spoken like a true twin fan, I know. <laughs> good one last night, Bill. It was a real good one last night with Max uh, Kepler. Hey, I want to get your good. I, I want to get your perspective on Iowa State. Sometimes we get very close to it here. You know, I had this thought. It's been incredibly good the last two years. The sixteen victories, eight straight, uh, eight wins both those seasons. Is there still another tier for Iowa State? Do you think Campbell can take this up another rung of what they're able to do on, on a year out, year in year out basis? Not a one year blip, but but continuing on becoming, say, dare I say, a power of the Big Twelve. You know what? He's always going to be the subject of next move. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's shown commitment to Iowa State, and yep. I think you know he had them. I was just looking at, as we do. He had them on the doorstep playing in the Big 12 championship game last year. He uh very charismatic. As you know, I'm up here in Columbus, and when Urban Meyer retired, there was a, a big debate about whether Matt Campbell should have been interviewed because they love him here in Ohio. He's a Mount Union guy, and uh, that means something in Ohio. Um, so I think he can. Uh, and he's shown commitment to the program. I love him. I think he's one of my favorite coaches in the FBS just because I always kind of go, I, uh, I guess I'm a little old for it now. And if my kid was fortunate enough to play, I always do that. Would I send my son to play for him? He's certainly a big yes. Mm. You know, you mentioned Bulls. Um, boy, the, the big. 12 bowl tie-ins, Bill. You know, when they, the, the new list of game scouts, bowl uh, alignments came out earlier in the week, and Vegas is back in the rotation, and Trent and I are sitting here salvating in that. And even the Belk Bowl gets my attention. I've always wanted to go to North Carolina, and maybe the Hawks will get there uh, before my career comes to an end and be able to follow them out there uh, to see that. But when you take a look at the Big 12, man, they must have bowl envy, right? It's just... It's just, for the most part, a whole bunch of yuck. The Alamo Bowl is spectacular, don't get me wrong. But then the list, Orlando, Texas, back to Memphis, the Cheez-It Bowl in Phoenix, the Armed Forces and the First Responder Bowl against group of five schools. Not the best slate, not the shiniest slate. In fact, I would put it number five of the Power Five uh, uh, conferences as far as uh, primo destinations. Yeah, I would say you're either four or five. I mean, the Big Ten gets good draws because, these places now the Big Ten will travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just said it. There's I've I've been to the Belt Bowl. It's in, when I lived in Charlotte. It's not bad. Um, you know, the if, if I have a chance to go to Vegas, I, you guys are probably are you slot machine or video poker guys? I, I like the. I'm not a table game guy, so uh, you know I, I would probably be in the poker room, I guess. But I, I think that's a good destination. It's a good idea by the Vegas Bowl, by the way, yes. to get the SEC and the Big Ten out there because they'll certainly get more eyeballs on. I guess the the drawback would be when we're talking about athletic budgets, I mean, it's hard to justify spending that much money to go out there for a third-tier bowl game. I guess that's the negative, but is it bumping up a little bit in terms of prestige now? It was Pac-12 against Mountain West. Mm -hmm. You think this is going to bump it up at least a little bit? I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a. I think the Holiday Bowl got a little bit of a bump by putting a Big Ten team in it because that that makes you think of the 80s when, you know, Michigan was in that a couple times. I think I think it was Iowa in the Holiday Bowl or the, the it was the Freedom Bowl, the old Freedom Bowl. Oh, yeah. Chuck, Chuck Long lit that one up. I remember that. Um, but, but, yeah, they. it's not a bad idea to get Big Ten teams out west because – as you guys know, it gets cold here in December, so we're looking for an excuse to go somewhere 
where it's warm. And, and I think that's part of the allure of bull games in the first place. So well, now when they put one in, in Fenway Park, I just kind of cringe a little bit because it was like it's not going to be warm there. So, you know, I don't know the Big Ten teams would be wild about going there. Well, Iowa and Iowa State have both played at the Yankee Stadium in a pinstripe ball in, uh, pinstripe ball in its history. And, yeah, the media was um, um, was reluctant to follow the teams out there. There was no clamoring for um, for credentials for the most part. Hey, Bill, last thing for you. You mentioned that you've got coaches' rankings list coming out. Those are always fun. Uh, is that what you're working on for next week? Yeah, we'll, we'll be able to talk about that next week. We do our annual 1 to 130. It's a very intensive labor for me, but I love doing it. And then I'll, you know, have individual rankings for the Power Five conferences as well. And, um, you know, again, when, uh, I'll tease it this way. The coach I'll have at the top of the Big Ten, nobody's going to like, but it's just the truth when you really dig into the numbers. With Urban Meyer gone, it's a little bit higher, harder to pick the top guy. Well, you went out on a limb and took Lovey Smith. Good stuff. Good work <laughs> on you. <laughs> Bill, we'll talk about that next week. Appreciate it, my friend. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, you have a great week, okay? Hey, thanks so much. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Read all his content. He's now uh, doing some NBA final stuff. Uh, some NFL stuff with the, what, he's doing NFC North? Or no, both uh, both conferences North, covering the North Division and the AFC and then the KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, about 20 minutes away from our weekly barbecue giveaway, Claxon's Barbecue in Altoona, coming up at about, oh, 20 minutes or thereabouts. Let's go deep inside baseball. Mark Simon from SportsInfoSolutions.com. He joins the program. Mark, uh, Trent Condon and Ken Miller. How are you, Mark Simon? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on. You know, Trent and I were talking early in the week, and uh, one came up, and we both said, well, it'd be perfect for our guy, Mark Simon. So <laughs> I'll save that one for Trent. What's, um, what struck me, uh, knowing that you were going to be coming on, and, and that analytics are still relatively you know, new-ish, if you were to go back, Mark, into the, I'll just do it in my lifetime, selfishly here, into the 60s, the 70s, or the 80s, before analytics became really what they were, Who's a player that we would, or players, that would be better than they we even thought that they were, or maybe doesn't get the credit that that player deserves would show much better as far as some of the best of that generation? You got a couple of those in mind? I got one off the bat, uh, and this is for Trent because he likes the Cubs, so those might be a little before Whoa, whoa, time. whoa. No, no. Twins, not those Cubs. Twins. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right. Uh, I think uh, Rick Russell is a good example okay. of that. Uh, remember, he was kind of a, like a soft tossing right here. Yep. I remember him from the end of my, uh, the beginning of my baseball following days. And he put up some great numbers uh, with some pretty lousy Cubs teams where he would have uh, low ERAs 
but uh, high win-loss records. And he would give you 250 innings a season. Uh, he was consistently good. Uh, he did not allow a lot of balls to leave the park, which was probably one of his better uh, traits because he was not a strikeout pitcher. Uh, and in the sabermetrics, despite the fact that he only finished in the top three in the Cy Young, let's see, looks like twice, uh, he rates extremely high. Uh, he rates that his wins above replacement, for those that are, I guess, familiar with it, is up near 70. Uh, which is, mm. if you, if, <laughs> on baseball reference, that's in the top 35 for uh, pitchers all time and puts him in a class with, uh, it puts him right alongside like Jim Palmer and someone who you would think Hall of, of Famer. Don Sutton. Don Sutton's a 300 game winner. Yeah. Uh, and Jim and Rick Russell is right there with him. So he would be one. Um, I know that people from like, when, I guess from the 60s and when my dad was following baseball, uh, Dick Allen is another guy sure. uh, that is very highly regarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phillies, right? I test and yeah, both I test and sabermetrics uh, for uh, the variety of things that he did, uh, both outstanding with the Phillies and with the White Sox. Uh, uh, he would be another. And then just uh, if, you, if I'm going to yeah, absolutely, it, yeah, uh, Tony Oliva uh, uh-huh. certainly is someone that I know that the the people that are the old timers with regards to Hall of Fame voting feel very highly about him because. Is every year for him, his OPS was way above uh, the league average, even if you took into account where he was playing. Uh, and his wins above replacement numbers are, are pretty good for, for that era. So I wasn't around for most of what you're talking about, uh, <laughs> but uh, just from uh, reading and talking to people and uh, listening to people like my dad, the historians, uh, those are the names that I think I would give you the start. Well, because of Trent's co-host, we skew a little, a little uh, toward the <laughs> up top of the demographic here. So, and, and proud to do yeah. so. So, let me ask you about two Hall of Famers that took a long time, seemingly, to get into the Hall of Fame. And I'm wondering, and you mentioned Don Sutton, and then Burt yep. Blylevin would be the other one. Were analytics unkind to those two guys? Is that one of the reasons that it took maybe longer than some would think before they finally got the call? I think the reason that uh, that Don Sutton, that uh, Burt Blylevin took longer uh, than he took is the 250 losses and the lack of a, a supremely dominant uh, season. Uh, even though, again, he, he's in the same boat as a Russell. You look at the win-loss records at a time when win-loss record was important: uh, 17 and 17, 17 and 17, 20 and 17, mm-hmm. 16 and 15. The ERAs those years are fantastic. The strikeouts, walks, and home runs those years are are excellent, but he's uh, but he's under recognized because he didn't get votes. Because in those days, wins got you votes. Uh, Burt Blylevin is considered sabermetrically to be one of the top uh, guys of all time. Don Sutton's an interesting one because he's one my dad grumbles about. He thinks he was a compiler. <laughs> he thinks he was a compiler. Um, so, and to an extent, he was. He was a guy that was. Uh, he had the, the luxury of uh, pitching in Los Angeles. He pitched for some really good uh, Dodgers teams. Mm-hmm. His ERA, is when you take into account the era and where he was playing, was not that much better than what the Major League uh, ERA at the time would be. Uh, so he's a little sabermetrically challenged, but I think he's liked because he was on some of those really good Dodgers teams. So, Mark, we go from the past now to the present. And... <laughs> Conversation that Ken and I, we were going back and forth, and he brings up, all right, Schwarber was out of the game for the Cubs with Carlos out there, now Cargo patrolling. You got Hayward, Almora. It's a really good defensive, at least from our eyeballs, a very good defensive 
Cubs outfield. And he said, name one better. And I said, well, I'll just look at my team, the Minnesota Twins, with Kepler and Plonk, uh, Kepler out in right. Of course, Buxton, who tracks down everything, and left field with Rosario, maybe better. What is, first of all, who has the best outfield defense in Major League Baseball? Funny that you ask, because I'm writing an article about this uh, for next week. Perfect. Uh, the, two, the two teams that are the best right now, uh, I think that stand a little above the rest, are the Astros and the Dodgers. Uh, in the Dodgers' case, that's because of Cody Bellinger, uh, who has been out of this world so far, both with his catching balls, Rob DeHomer, uh, and his throwing arm. His, uh, his He's already has uh, seven assists where he didn't even need a cutoff man. Nobody's going first to third or second to home on him. He's been amazing. Alex Verdugo, likewise, has been uh, very good for them, a rookie that I think people weren't necessarily familiar with. Uh, and they've got uh, a few guys in left field uh, between Jack Peterson and Verdugo and, and Chris Taylor uh, that have combined to be very good. Uh, so Bellinger's the reason there. The Astros actually have, I don't have it in front of me, but I looked this up yesterday. The Astros have the highest rate of catching balls hit to the outfield. Uh, they're the best team at, at chasing them down. The underrated guy there is Marisnik, mm-hmm. uh, mm. who is very good in center field. Uh, and in right field, Josh Reddick is also uh, very good, as is Springer. Uh, they have still a very good outfielders. They might not have a super elite Buxton type, uh, but they're very good uh, out in the outfield. Their weakness is their uh, arm. Uh, their arms are not as good. Uh, they don't have an Eddie Rosario out there to throw guys out. Hmm. Uh, let's go to the Cubs. Uh, this is another talker for Trent and I. We'll, we'll keep that outfield the same. Cargo in left, Elmore in center, Hayward in right. And then around the, around the diamond, if you will, uh, we'll go, uh, Contreras behind the plate, Rizzo, Russell at second, Baez at short, and Chris Bryant at third base. Of those eight guys, who's the weakest link defensively? Because when I look at it, I think that's elite, one through eight. Uh, overall, is as good a defensive team as you can put on the field. Are the analytics telling me I'm all wet? Who's the weakest link out of those eight? Uh, well, the analytics, the analytics are a little troubled by what you have to say. Uh-oh. <laughs> because they have the Cubs, let's say, six, seven, eight. The Cubs are currently ninth in wow. the league in defensive runs saved. Uh, part of that is a product of Hayward uh, when he played center has has not fared uh, particularly well. Chris Bryant doesn't have good numbers at third. Uh, your weakest link is Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Joe Madden can say it a million times, but it's not true. Wilson Contreras is not rated well at pitch framing. He just doesn't mm-hmm. outright, period. Uh, you have Baez has been fantastic. Uh, and certainly uh, lots of credit to him and to Anthony Rizzo for their work on the defensive side. But I think it's a reach to say that they are as good defensively as, say, the Dodgers or at least the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals in the National League. Uh, during the broadcast last night, I think it was DeShay brought, or yesterday afternoon, DeShay brought up uh, Iron Otto, who made an unbelievable decoy play at third base. Uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see the game. But Baez or Iron Otto, those two up against each other, wins above replacement, everything that you factor into it. Uh, Baez is, I, I can watch Cubs baseball every night just to watch Javi Baez. I think he's that good just to watch what he does, both on the base paths and clearly when he's wearing a glove on his left hand. Uh, Arenado and Baez, who has the edge? That's really close. You must be part of the, uh, the uh, Javi Baez faction that uh, <laughs> tweets at us and writes at us uh, every time we write something that doesn't include him. Uh, but we started to include him. He's the best uh, multi-positional guy in baseball just about every year. 
I think I think you're basically looking at, a, at something close to a push there because they're both great defensively. We know that, and they're both going to put up um, 35 and 100 uh, in, with pretty good certainty. If you want to subtract from Arenado because of the ballpark that he's in, all right, and give the edge to to Baez, uh, who and also plays a more important position in shortstop. So uh, <laughs> that'll make the Cubs fans happy, I guess. Who uh, do you like right now in the National League Central? Brewers, Cubs, they're tied at the top. You got the Cardinals hanging back two and a half back. Who's your favorite? Who's your pick right now? I give you a mulligan. Who would you take to win the NL Central? So over 162 games, I will go with what I said that I would go with in spring training, which was I had the Cardinals winning 95 of them. That seems a little extreme right now. Yeah, uh, It looks like 90-ish could win the division. Uh, I will still go with the Cardinals. Uh, just uh, I like the overall composition of the team, although I did not count on uh, Yachty getting hurt. Uh, the Brewers are good enough to be probably the, the fourth best team in the National League or the fifth best team in the National League. They're right there for the wild card. The Cubs are there too. I think it's going to be three teams out of the Central, one team out of the East, and one team out of the West. And I think it's it's very close between the three and the Central. Uh, they, they and uh, the Cubs uh, shored up a weakness and also hurt uh, other teams by getting Kimball when others couldn't. This has been, Mark, one of the most enjoyable early portions of a baseball season that I've ever had as a Twins fan. They lose the first two games against Cleveland, get it back last night, Kepler with the three home runs. Ten and a half games up as we sit here on June 7th. Do I have anything to worry about? Is this <laughs> just sailing into the playoffs and then... Drawing the Yankees. The Yankees, and, well, we know what will happen there, but it, it just... I'm so confident with this team, and I'm not a confident fan in general, any potential hiccups you see? Well, I I thought if they were going to surface, if they were going to surface uh, by getting swept by the Indians, mm-hmm. but you snuck one out uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, you're in a situation where you can uh, drop games. But now you got past Cleveland, you only lost one game in the standings to them, and your next three series are Tigers. Mariners, Royals, mm. Mm. Uh, which is very nice. Yes, uh, and in theory, as long as you keep going how you're going and keep hitting the homers, how you're hitting the homers, uh, you should be in pretty good shape. It seems like uh, they are good in just about every kind of scenario that you could put them in: home, road, blowout, close game, uh, good team, bad team. Uh, they're right there, and uh, what they've done with Martin Perez, wow, hey, that's amazing. Barrios should be nice, but Rizzi. Uh, his jump to uh, uh, solid starter has mm-hmm. been very impressive. Uh, they could have used Kimbrough, though, certainly, uh, and uh, but I don't know if they would regret that until uh, a little later on. Uh, last thing for me, Mark Simon from SportsInfoSolutions.com. You know, you just kind of opened up a whole new door when you were talking about you had the Cardinals at 95, and I know you you're reside in Pennsylvania, or at least you did, and Pennsylvania now has sports wagering, and Iowa's getting it, and Vegas has always had it. Do you get a lot of uh, offers to join a you know, free trip? Let me take you up to Vegas and pick your brain. <laughs> uh, Analytically-wise, with sports wagering now storming the country, um, you know, this time next year, who knows how many states are going to have green-lighted it. Illinois was just the most recent. New York is probably going to uh, give it uh, approval today. Uh, sports wagering and what you do. Does Do you feel you get an edge from using analytics and sports wagering as opposed to somebody like me, old, just sitting here watching games and, and uh, trying to do it by the eyeball test? Well, the numbers back up that I think that uh, using an analytic approach 
uh, works with sports gambling. If you want proof of that, just ask the guy that ran off 30 straight wins yeah, in Jeopardy. Right. Uh, because he's a professional sports gambler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did pretty well. Uh, we do a number of things in that uh, arena. We actually have a website that just went up, uh, which is for prop bets, uh, sisbets.com. Uh, what is it? One more time? sisbets.com. Okay, yep. It's, a, it's not a, uh, you can't wager there. It's, right. Uh, it's a informational service uh, on things like who's most likely to hit a home run today, that sort of thing. Uh, we also fantasy uh, services of similar look too. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, I, I guess personally, I, I can tell you my fantasy teams are terrible historically. <laughs> uh, this is, this year actually is the best fantasy team that I probably had in the last twenty. Um, but I, I tend to cloud my head and my heart, and that's what gets me into trouble. If you stick with the numbers and uh, maneuver smartly, sure you can. Uh, uh, I, this is not my expertise, but I believe there there are advantages to be found mark simon sports info solutions.com follow him on twitter mark a simon says mark simon uh, i love doing this uh, periodically with you and uh, thanks for what you uh, did for us today appreciate it mark thank you you got it good to talk to you mark simon chiming in do you use analytics when you bet daily like you do well what do you what would you consider analytics i know just to something to give me an edge uh, because i mean i look at numbers and that is analytics, I don't just look at a pitcher's win-loss record. No, there's more to it than that, right. And so, yes, I guess I do look at analytics, but... That website he just pointed, would that, would that something like take a real deep dive into... Yeah, that, that's going into, yeah, a deeper level and why player X has a better percentage than he normally mm-hmm. would have hitting a home run that day and you get him at plus 245, I'm going to take a fire at that. You know, those kind of things, that's a lot deeper, certainly, than what I do. I'd look at numbers, but would you like a guy to accompany you to? We know if you're going to make some, if you're going to Vegas, uh-huh. and that's what you're going to do. You're going to Vegas for three or four days. And you're sitting in a sports book for three or four days. Yeah, would you want that on your side? Would you feel better about your prospects? I think I would. I think I would too, especially over that short a period where you're just figuring out it's one bad week, and all of a sudden, well, that weekend's ruined. You know mm-hmm. that that you're there. Yeah, having somebody there, justification. You know. We all have the gut feelings, right? Right, and that's that's how guys. You know, that's how I bet. Yeah. Oh, this can't happen, and then of course it happens. Just when you have numbers to back it up, you at least have some kind of justification outside of I hate them, I hate those dudes, <laughs> whatever it may be. Right. You have that. Yeah, I'd like to have that. That would be a fun weekend too. Just trying to find those different angles, and all right, why is this guy coming up here that we don't know at this sports book? He's betting five hundred dollars on this mm-hmm. dumb prop. What's going on here? And then seeing kind of the Vegas side of things and the way they take that. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Well, I know what's going on here. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines right now and mm-hmm. uh, invite four of you at two eight four five nine six six to participate in the Claxon Smokehouse and Grill. The barbecue giveaway is upon us. 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. They've been cooking barbecue in Altoona for over 20 years. A restaurant in business for over 20 years. It tells you a lot, folks. First four callers right now will give you the props. You give us the answers if you have the most right. You'll get a $35 gift certificate. The runner-up will give you, tw- uh, will give a $25 gift certificate too. If you're getting a ringing sound, don't hang up. Be patient. Trent will get to you. If you're getting a busy signal, 
In all likelihood, you're going to have to wait until next week unless somebody's trying to sneak in for the second time in 30 days. So there's always that chance. Uh, Clax's Barbecue Giveaway next. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Last week's Claxons winner, Chris Springer, took down the first prize, $35. Mike Becker, $25 from Claxons. Claxons, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Check them out online, claxonbbq.com, C-L-A-X-O-N-B-B-Q.com, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. You know, I just was thinking, as I I've, I know we're going to use the Cubs and the Cardinals for yes. our contestants. If we get a rainout situation, so if we only get one game of the three games set in, we'll give everybody the check mark. If we have one rainout, no. Or... If we have two rainouts, if they can't play Saturday and Sunday, Oh, uh, you're you're thinking way too much about I, this. I probably am. Yeah, but you know it's going to come back and bite us in the you know what. Right? Will it really though? I hope not. But you've got to be prepared. They Trent. won the series. Yeah, but it's a one game series. They, they won the series. I'm going to let you make the call. They won. The so series. if they play one game, yes, that's good enough for that you. That is good enough. If they play two and they split them, it's a split. All right, both teams. Both the players get a tie. Okay. And if we get all three in, then, of course, it best two out of three, best three out of three. Okay. Cardinals last weekend. So we know in advance. I just want to get that out there. We know in advance. The rule is now it's a, it doesn't matter how many they play. If you win, if you only play one. and If you win the series. Then you'll win the series. All right. David, Adam, Ronnie, and Taylor, you're up to a speed on the new rules. Uh, let's get to David first. David, welcome to Miller & Condon. How was your week? Uh, very busy. That's good. 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 They may they go quicker that way, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Bruins, Blues, St. Louis, Sunday night. Who wins the game? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis wins the cup. Uh, the Warriors are a four-and-a-half-point favorite tonight over Toronto. Who are you taking there? Oh, gosh. You know... <laughs> I'm going with my heart on this one. I want Toronto. Yeah, you and me both, my friend. Uh, the Cubs and the Cards have a three-game set. Who will win the series this weekend in Chicago? Ooh. I'm going with my heart against some Cubs fan. I'm going with the Cubs. Taking the Cubbies. Will the Belmont Stakes winner have an odd or even number saddle towel? Hmm. Odd. Odd number, all right. And the total points, this is our tiebreaker. Barnstormers points this uh, weekend, just them, closest without going over. How many points will the Barnstormers score? Ooh, that's a big opponent they got. Mm. Yep. I got a bit of shootout. I'll say Barnstormers 61. 61. Thank you, David. Have a good weekend. You too, thank, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you chiming in. Let's go to Adam next. Adam, Miller and Condon, how are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How about you? That's great. Thank you for asking. Uh, the Bruins or the Blues on Sunday night? You know, Hart says Bruins, but i got to go with the, the hot team, the Blues. They are the hot team. Warriors are four-and-a-half-point favorite over Toronto? Ah, we'll go with the Warriors. Cubs cards, three games set at Wrigley. Who wins the series? Against the majority of Des Moines cards. <laughs> the Cardinals play here on 1460 KXNO. Adam, you set me up for a promo there. Uh, Belmont Stakes winner will be an odd or even-numbered horse. Let's go with odd. Odd it is. Barnstormers total points closest without going over. Tiebreaker only, Adam. 
53. 53. Adam, thanks for uh, participating. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Ronnie is next, and then Taylor. Ronnie, how's things with you? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Bruins or the Blues? Uh, Blues. Warriors, four-and-a-half-point favorite over Toronto. Who do you want? Toronto. Cubs cards, three-game series at Wrigley. St. Louis. Winner of the Belmont Stakes is an odd or even-numbered horse. Odd. Barnstormers total points closest without going over. 48. 48. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you. Good to talk to you. And Taylor brings it to a close for another week. Taylor, House things? Hey, guys, doing great. Love the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you listening. Brews or blue, uh, Blues or Bruins on Sunday night? Blues fans will be singing Gloria, Give Me the Blues. Yeah, glory indeed. That's their song. Uh, the Warriors are four-and-a-half-point favorite over Toronto, Taylor. Carol Nate of Nick Nurse all day. I'm with you there. Cubs cards, three-game set. Cubs get redemption this week, Cubbies. Okay, Belmont Stakes winner, odd or even-numbered horse? Go even. And Barnstormers total points, closest without going over? 45. 45. Thanks, Taylor. Have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and I appreciate Claxons for giving us an opportunity to make a couple of our listeners very, very happy. Everybody on the Blues, are you? (sighs) I think we get a Game 7. I hope we get a Game 7. And they can win it there. I I don't care who wins. I really don't. And do it in Boston? Do it in Boston. Blues are playing better right now. They're finishing every day. They're beating them up. They're just physically And I didn't think that they could. I really didn't. I told you earlier I love Golden State. Mm-hmm. Love them tonight. I'm going to lay the number to there. With what do you confidence? Like? Yeah, yeah. I feel good about that one. Cubs-Cardinals this weekend. You told us Cardinals you felt good last weekend. Uh, what the, do you got this? The Cubs pitching staff, are the, the matchups, I think, favor the Cubs this weekend. They get Hendricks. They get Lester. They get Hamels. Now, admittedly, it's Wainwright, Flaherty, and Miklas, so it's the best of St. Louis. It's yep. going to be a good series. If I had to take it since it's in... Wrigley, I would take the Cubs to win the series this weekend. Rizzo leading off. We shall see. You have a good weekend. You too. Who wins that horse race? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll be back on it. Monday. We'll recap the weekend. Thank you for being with us. Murph and Andy at 2. Uh, Fanatics at 4. Saturday morning pregame tomorrow at 8. The morning rush will start at a new on Monday. 1460 KXNO.